Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Rev. Paul John Roach. So, hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I am your host, Paul John Roach, and I'm coming to you not from my usual uh, home in Fort Worth, Texas, but from uh, the Rocky Mountains in Breckenridge, Colorado. It's snowing right now, but it's a gorgeous view from my window, so that makes a little change. Uh, Today, I talk with... um, experimental indie musician, rock musician, uh, former writer and editor of Newtopia magazine, um, the the writer of many zines back in the day, actually. Um, She's also the the principal interviewer for the original Reality Sandwich. Uh, She's a film producer of documentary films. Tamara Lucid is also the author of Making the Ordinary extraordinary my seven years in occult los angeles with manly palmer paul wow this is going to be an interesting show all right so uh one of many parts and now an author as well of this sounds like a fascinating uh, subject and i read the book and it is folks so it's my pleasure to welcome tamara lucid to today's show welcome glad you're with us Thank you so much, Paul. You know, uh, it's it's rare for anyone to be called into the inner sanctum of a, a famous sage. And um, whatever you might think of uh, Manly Palmer Hall, uh, you know, it met in, for many years of his life, he was a highly regarded uh, teacher. And uh, you were involved with him, of course, when he was in his 80s. Um, but... Uh, towards the end of his life, but still, you know, with this eminence, this uh, this person who was very famous in certain circles. So how did you end up, how did you end up getting into the inner sanctum like that? How do you think that happened, both physically and metaphysically? Well, you know, what was the karma of that, do you think? Oh, well, I think that, that just the um, the inspiration that, <clears throat> excuse me, the inspiration that that the secret teachings caused personally, intellectually right. and spiritually, um, just drew us there. When we found out, Ronnie and I both, um, when we found out that he was still alive, we decided to go and, and enjoy some of the lecturing. And it was inspiring to listen to him lecture. And it inspired us to want to volunteer and just, be in 
the the situation there in in at the PRS and just enjoy the company and get more knowledge truly just seeking information seeking a spiritual tone to life and as a result of volunteer, volunteering uh Ronnie became basically an assistant on the bibliography alchemical bibliography and that just it it snowballed from there into a a, a genuine relationship a genuine friendship and he eventually of course began teaching there right as well yes lecturing definitely so tell us a little bit about man lee hall and what he did for those of us who are not familiar with it you mentioned the peer PRS is what the, the Philosophical Research, Research Society. Society. That was his organization, right? Yes, yes. It, basically, he he was a, a 20th century philosopher. He managed to um, get patrons when he was a young man when he came to LA, and they encouraged him to um, collect books, collect art. Um, valuable manuscripts. He already had a great um, eye for these things. And um, so basically he took his love of learning and parlayed that into an absolute career of gathering information and then dispensing it via lectures, via pamphlets, being books. And um, he did this his entire life. He he was more, in the beginning, I think he was more interested in the more occult things and practices, but it, it slowly developed over time into um, really taking spiritual wisdom and developing it in, into a healthy philosophy of life, a healthy way of living and relating to the wor- the external world while cultivating a better internal world. You know, I just read his 10 keys for uh, successful living or something like that. And, um, you know, they're eminently practical, right? You know, relax, don't worry so much, uh, mm-hmm. you know, try not to aggrandize yourself, you know, don't don't mm-hmm. want more than you can have, etc. You know, very, very sensible things um, that keep us to keep us grounded. He was a Canadian, wasn't he, originally, as I understand? Yeah, he was. His wife called think- him... Um, for Canadian bacon. <laughs> <laughs> I understand his his, mo- his mother um, was involved with Rosicrucianism, and so that might have sparked some of his early interest in that kind of esoteric uh, philosophy, right? Well, he was raised by his grandmother. Now, uh-huh. I don't know if his mother was Rosicrucian, but I know that grandmother um, really encouraged his, uh, and he, he, yeah, he was raised by his grandmother. And she was, mother was into that, but grandmother really encouraged the expansion of all the different things, Blavatsky, um, you name it. And so she really motivated him that way. It seems that, you know, during that era, um, from the 20s onwards, you know, into the 60s, before the the hippie era and that hippie era and then it sort of went in, in a different direction. 
you know, there are all these um, fabulous, you know, metaphysicians and teachers that, especially in California, right? And and some were from the East, but some were, were homegrown. And uh, they always had large followings and, and very dedicated um, followers, uh, uh, acolytes. Uh, and, and it was, it was a fascinating era, I think, of uh, America's interest in, in all, all these um, interesting subjects, you know, fr from pure metaphysics all the way to, like you said, you know, more, more occult and, and we could say maybe more woo-woo <laughs> subjects, you know. Certainly. Like, uh, Atlantis and, uh, uh, you know. Interesting interpretations on, such, on, on certain things. Right, yeah, let's put it like that. Yeah. I like to consider it sort of a, a frontier town. L.A. was, and California in general, was sort of a frontier town, and everybody was allowed to, based on Hollywood, reinvent themselves, um, establish a certain style that they felt was uniquely their own based on old traditions and, and um, basically, um, what would you call it? Uh, creative interpretation. <laughs> right. What I liked about the book, too, was, uh, you know, he was a very ordinary person as well, as, as all great people are. You know, they have their moments when they're in the spotlight, but then they live their lives just like we, you know, most ordinary people do. And, and you exactly. went to, you know, dinner with them a lot and, and you know, went to the restaurant and, and they, they were quite char characterful, but they, they were definitely regular folks, right? Um, with, with all the tics and um, idiosyncrasies that, that we all have. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, spirituality is, is definitely um, an important part of one's life, but there's also the job of living. Um, you have to feed your cat. You have to clean your house. You know, there's all these these other activities that are part of life on this this plane, and um, to ignore that or to diminish that, instead of infusing that with a spiritual tone, perhaps that that's right. how you achieve a much more balanced life. The 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 key is balance, of course. Um. And incorporation, certainly, um, incorporating all the aspects so that they work almost like a, a harmonious machine. Yes, yeah, and that includes cooking as well, right? You know, you you were a good oh, baker, yeah. or whatever you were, you would bake for them. But I love the little thing in the back. You know, it's uh, his wife's uh, recipe for uh, zucchini pancakes, right? Oh yeah, and. Uh, that was that's fabulous. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make that sometime because it looked great. Oh, you should. Uh, I I, I that's why I put it in the book. I I really encourage that. It's sort of like, but this is this is the simplicity. This, these are the um the little beauties in life, the little wonderful things that are very comforting, um that make it genuinely a genuinely nice way of living. You know, one thing that spoke to me was an early um early chapter i think it was um making the ordinary extraordinary um and it was a uh the, i think you're all in a line to go into a restaurant as i recall and uh, mm -hmm. there was a, a grumpy husband who was uh, not happy with the circumstances and picking on his wife can you tell tell that story because i thought that was a great example of what we're talking about in terms of balance um this was we had been reading about Apollonius of Tyana, and he was a, a contemporary of Jesus. 
and the story went that he actually quieted a riot by simply standing peacefully in the middle of the fray. And we kind of thought that was a little bit much. And so we happened to be going out to dinner that night. We were going to ask Mr. Hall about that because we thought it was a bit, uh, this, this is just a myth, right? And um, then we watched as this very aggravated, aggressive man was being um, kind of brutal to everybody, but particularly his wife. His wife had stopped to let Mr. Hall walk through because, you know, he had difficulty walking and he's an older gentleman and she was just simply being polite. But he got so mad at her and he shook her and grabbed her by the arm and, and Mr. Hall managed to simply get in the way more. And the man got so mad and he, he started yelling at Mr. Hall. Now Mr. Hall kept looking away as if he didn't even hear the man. But every time the man would go to grab the wife, Mr. Hall just slightly moved and thwarted the man going after the wife. Now, this happened several times, and like I said, the man got more and more frustrated and angry, and he was yelling at Mr. Hall, and he was really making a scene. And it was super aggressive and out of control. And... What happened was, it was as if the man finally heard himself and saw his his own behavior, and he, all of a sudden, he, he just quieted down, and um, started to apologize, and took his wife very gently and said, "Come on, let's go." Um, he apologized to everybody. He apologized to Mr. Hall, who did not even recognize that. He just kept looking away like he was looking at his garden. And um, the man left. And it, it, it really, symbolically, it, it was as if our, our question had been answered by this little action that took place in, in a, a dining room, that he quelled a riot by simply being a quiet person and not acknowledging the violence, and yet at the same time insinuating himself between the violence and common sense and, and kindness. So it, it was a really remarkable little demonstration of, yes, um, a quiet person can divert aggression when done correctly just basically shifting the momentum. It's a little little bit of, of Tai Chi, um, a little bit of a martial art, but but definitely the countering aggression with gentleness. It's almost as if he, you know, Manly Hall mirrored for him, you know, his own inner mm -hmm. stillness, right? So the person saw in him, you know, there was another alternative to this. I don't have to be aggressive. And, and well, he saw it, you know, he was, he's ready to see it. And, and as a result of that, there was a transformation. And that's powerful. And some people can see it, but they can't do anything about it. They continue to be aggressive. But that, that person is obviously ready for that. So, and, and that's fascinating. And just told, just doing nothing, basically, just being a, 
uh, open, spacious presence at that moment, right, was was able to to calm the whole situation down. I think that that's powerful. You know, it's it's um, it, it's it's the opposite of some some ways we behave. Uh, we won't go into details of craziness that happens recently at the uh, the Oscars, for instance, <laughs> or things like that. You know. The, uh, and of course, we're all on edge with uh, the world as it is, and you know, with Ukraine and, and the situation there. But but mm-hmm. I think it, it's doubly true, you know, to double down our um, dedication to living the peaceful life, right? Because if we don't, we're just contributing, in a sense, to the the anguish that's that's all around the planet right now. So hopefully, we could be a you know a peaceful alternative to that. Yeah. Well, imagine yourself as a tuning fork. Now, if you're going to tune yourself to all the aggression and all the aggravation, let's say all the negative, well, you're going to harmonize to the negative and you're going to also feel that way. Um, If you pitch your harmonics to a higher level of a more compassionate, gentle, understanding, or even just neutral perspective, you won't be so responsive to the negatives. And what you're trying to do is not not be influenced by externals. These externals are aggravating. It's always been like that. If it, if it wasn't, you know, what what's going on, globally right now, there was always the bubonic plague or wild beasts chasing you down. Um, You don't stay in that fight or flight mode. You shake it off. You you refocus and try and be in harmony. Um, You see that in the wild all the time. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So how does this fit in with being a punk rocker and a riot girl? How does that work? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Actually, it works pretty much the same. Um, Does it? In, in, your, in your situation, if it's a musical situation, um, you harmonize. First, you balance yourself, and then you harmonize to the situation. Is the situation aggressive, and this is what the audience wants? We can do that. Um, is, is the audience more um, intellectual this evening? Well, we can do that too. We can be more introspective. You can you can feel what your audience wants, and um, and maybe you want to be more of the uh, director at that moment. And it's like, oh, well, they're very intellectual. Let's let's bring it down a level to um, a more playful attitude, and let's let's try that. Also, you <laughs> you respond to the events of the day. A lot of time. People are concerned about certain social events. We'll, we'll address that. Let's talk about that and then take this up to a level of a harmonious, fun event. Let's sing. Let's, you know, work out what we want to work out here with, within our group and have a good time, you know. It's still a form of entertainment. You're, you're still required to give the people what they want, what they expect from you, but you can also conduct it a little bit to get your own agenda in there. If your agenda is, well, I'm going to 
take this crowd and, and lift them up, and we're going to all feel like we're we're going to be okay. It's it still functions the same way. I'm Plus taking someone a, on a journey. Yes, and I was going to say also the you know some of the underlying values of of uh, you know the, the the feminism of the of that particular era you know it is aiming at um, bursting through right some of the inequalities some of the conditioning and um, you know f finding a radical new way of of approaching life so a lot of that is valid i think you know i, I think a lot of people are attracted to to rock and roll because it, it represents that you know out of the box way of living their lives and so you know it can be just entertainment but i think it's also uh, you know it's it's like a, a safety valve or something on a bo boiler you know it allows us to let off steam right so that we uh, we, we can live more harmonious lives so sometimes we need that sort of bad boy or bad girl attitude to 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 keep to ha keep us healthy in a way yeah it's um, definitely, in the music scene, it was identifying a problem and saying, yes, this is a situation. We're all on the same page on, about this. We're all very upset about this. Um, here are some clever ways of dealing with it. One, a creative way of dealing with it. Okay, it's very upsetting. We're very disturbed. How about a funny song about it? Yeah, we're going to make light of it, and then we're going to go to another song. Maybe it's a little bit more personal, and it says, "This is how I've experienced this situation, and this is how I've." And the next song is, "This is how I've dealt with the situation." In fact, I'm here talking to you now, and this is my way of dealing with that situation. And we all have experienced this. This is a collective thing. It's not a single person thing. It's a collective thing. We're all here because we all feel the same thing. And now here is what we do with it. And you kind of take people step by step through the process. Um, you might call it musical therapy, um, but sometimes I did. Um, as we express our personal journey through the music, it becomes the collective experience, and the collective experience can band together for a while and say, now I get it. That, that makes it more manageable. And, you know, laughing at, at the situation, identifying the tragedy of the situation, and then saying, and this is where we go to process it and get beyond it, is, is kind of the, the fun of of using a creative medium like music. There's so, many, there's so many varieties of it too. You know, I remember going to a venue, I was looking for an alternative kind of hippie kite kind of singer that was playing one night. And uh, we went to the, the front of the venue where there was another kind of thing going on. It was all black leather and, you know, tattoos and, and, uh, not you know chains and whatnot. It was, it was some kind of thrash or death metal thing, and uh, we were when I said, well, "Is this where such and such is?" And they don't know it's at the they're at the back. But uh, yeah, I was totally <laughs> and I was wrongly dressed for the the, the dark leather people. You know, I, was, I had my hippie clothes on or whatever. 
but you know both both were doing uh you know um, radical and, and helpful things in a way you know uh, so well, it's, it's funny because be. you know a lot of times um there can be quite different elements and the fun is that they all get together and they actually do find this happened a lot in um uh Orange County the punk scene there uh-huh. where very different, diverse elements were brought together, and they all had, they were so relatable. You know, Black Panthers and Riot Girls together in one venue, you think, oh, I don't know if this is going to get along, and got along famously. Uh-huh. Um, friends for the rest of your lives, kind of yeah, famously. that's cool. And, and, and the beautiful, the way they would... Um, relate this is how we do our activism this is how we try and this is how we're committed to social change and right it, it was it was magnificent really when you when you think about it um the way these diverse elements came together had common cause in reality and um like i said made friends for life and really lifted each other up to a much higher level of of participation in the world and and personal growth. I love it. And that that's the yeah. power of music, isn't it, you know? Truly, truly. Yeah. And poetry. Um the Panthers yeah. had um great poets um that they 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 brought to the venue um fantastic poets. Just beautiful. I'm really taken with a band called Alabama Three uh, or A Three, I think they're called over here in the states, and uh, it, they're they're sort of uh, they're British, they're from London, but uh, they combine <laughs> uh, they combine country music with acid house music supposedly. And, oh um, my! And it, it's it's a fun little combination. But there's one mm. song that they did. It's called I, I Ain't Going to Goa. You know, I'm not going to India and uh, become a hippie. I'm going to go back to my tabernacle and and but but it's all tongue in cheek, you know. But I love it because I, I went to India when I was young, and I, so I did go to Goa. But I understand, you know, it can become commodified, and uh, so I'm not going there. I'm going to find, you know, awakening where I am. Uh, so so the song, you know, has a sort of a double twist to it. But I love it. The beat's great, and <laughs> so yeah, I keep playing that to myself all the time, you know, because it's <laughs> um, it's not an obvious song, you know. It, it's uh, it's it's counterintuitive, but, but but it's but I love it, and of course I love the catchy, catchy beat to it. You know the sort of the, the mm-hmm. techno thing as well. So yeah, it's fun. But see, All right, we're at the, the break. Of, we're at the break. The beauty yeah. of, the, of that is 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 you can be very tongue in cheek. You can be ornery. There we go. We'll be back in after the session. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. 
All right, welcome back to today's show. I'm with Tamara Lucid, and we're talking about her book about uh, Manly Palmer Hall making the extraordinary extraordinary. Uh, her seven years in occult Los Angeles, and um, we went on a tangent there into some music, but that's always fun, and that's part of uh, Tamara's uh, legacy here, what she's laid down over the years. But when, let's get back to uh, Manly Palmer Hall. His great book, of course, was is commonly known as what? The Secret Teaching Secret of the Ages. Secret Teachings of All Ages. Yeah, of All Ages. It's got a fancier title, but it's a big tome, isn't it? It's a, it's a huge book. Yeah. Yeah, it's a gigantic, it literally is an, an encyclopedia of all the great religions, all the, all the stuff he could collect, he'd put in one book. Um, right. Which was, you know, a boon to people trying to study these things. He, he managed to go into libraries and um, collect all this information. That's, that's not, not a bad first shot out the gate kind of thing. For yeah, it's, it's the person kind of to do. reputation. Yeah, yeah. Well, it contains everything, as I remember. I've, I've dipped into it over the years. You know, from from pure metaphysics and uh, ancient philosophies. You know, the Hermetic philosophers, and um, mm-hmm. of course Rosicrucianism, and and then into the more you know occult side of things as well. Right, and a lot about astrology and um, mm-hmm. basically like a compendium of of all these. Um, interesting views right that we that wouldn't fit um a traditional uh religious um what viewpoint but but it, yeah a, a fascinating in their own right right and something that had been going on for generations um and and to to compile all that information right there for anyone to study and then it's a wonderful bouncing off point. So maybe you're you're in, interested in astrology. Well, here's the astrology section, and now you can start your studies and 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 go where your heart leads you. And I think that's and and where your intellect leads you. Um, marvelous, just a marvelous um, teaching companion. Right. And of course, Kabbalah is in there as well, which has now become quite, you know, popular in many circles and and has been an ancient teaching, right, since the 13th century and actually predates that. But, you know, it came into existence uh, as we know it today in in that era. But, you know, that's a fascinating study right there. And and I think a lot of the esoteric uh, aspects of religions, you know, are... Uh, Kabbalah, for instance, comes out of the, the Jewish tradition, but um, I, th- I think a lot, a lot of these esoteric teachings, uh, you know, have been part of Christianity or Hinduism, etc. Um, uh, but but are now sort of seen as uh, separate. But they, in, in many ways, they're not. Right? They 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 have a a long tradition as well within those religions. Every tradition started with the seeker, and this is the human condition. The human wants something more to life. Right. And each one of these traditions are suggesting, yes, there is more to life. And this is how we've interpreted it. And 
you know, have a look. Let's let's see what this says to you. What what this activates in your intellect and your soul. Amazing, amazing thing. And it it, it is simply a, a very normal human response to life on this plane. Is to find a deeper wisdom, to find a deeper meaning. There has to be more. The the inquisitive nature of the human is to find the deeper meaning of life. And I agree with you. And I think for many, though, you know, for every um, seeker, who, a true seeker, you could say, there are some who, who just want the, the magic of it, right? They, they follow the, the guru, you know, not because they really want the deep truth, but because it, it's cool and maybe you'll give me magic things and whatnot or... Um, and you know, unfortunately, that that happens in all traditions, right? You get these um, these followers who were really maybe not there for the highest purpose. And well, a lot of people just want to feel like I don't want to miss something that's really important for my soul, uh-huh. and it's easier to just follow instructions. It's right. very difficult to to face it yourself. Um, that's a challenge. Because we have to, you know, accept certain aspects of ourselves that we're not proud of and we're feeling shaky about or whatever. And they are suggesting, they all do suggest, most of the traditions do suggest self-reflection, self-analysis, and and being honest and truthful with oneself and then applying certain disciplines in order to be a better human being. That's hard work. And it's, it's certainly a lot easier to have a guru or, or a priest or someone saying, this is what you do, and this is how you do it, and check in with me because I'll tell you if you're doing it right or wrong. Okay? Right. <laughs> well, it is easier. Um, an authority, looking for an authority. Yeah. And this is the problem with um, the difficulty for being a guru, I think, or a teacher, you know, is that it's it's a lot of stress, you know, taking on this mantle of being a leader. I mean, we see lots of uh, teachers who are probably in many ways quite genuine teachers. I'm thinking of Alan Watts, for instance, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. his teachings around Zen. And yet he ended up, you know, as an alcoholic and dying, you know, relatively young. Um, we see the same thing, you know, throughout the different traditions. I, I, Manly Hall seemed to, at least until the end, he seemed to maintain a certain stability, right? Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because he, he knew that I can provide you with many examples of what the right way of living is, but you have to do the groundwork, the work on yourself, and and no one can do that for you. Um, it is up to you to learn what the world is teaching you. Have the discretion to understand whether this is moti- what the motivations are. Um, it's serious serious work this enlightenment it's it's not 
you know, sudden, I, a sudden realization that I'm great and I'm, I'm at one with God. Well, yes, that, that's one aspect. But like I said in the beginning, you still have to feed the cat and clean the house and do all these right. other things. That's right. And that is part of life on this plane. Um, it's, it's having your feet on the ground, but maybe your eyes on the stars. And you have and to do balancing. that, right? After yeah. after the ecstasy, the laundry, as they say, you know, we you have to yeah. balance the two. Um, they have to be together. Other, otherwise, we're um, really imbalanced. And it, we seem to be coming back to that word a lot in this uh, in this show mm-hmm. today. You know, the idea of balance. But I think I think it is a balance. You know, the balance between yin and yang, uh, Shiva and Shakti. You know, between our spirit mm-hmm. and our our humanness. Um, we're spiritual beings having a human experience, but we're still in our in embodiment here, right? So we have to do all the things that mm-hmm. is involved in being a you know a body and 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 a mind as well as a spirit. So yeah, um, and I'm comfortable with that. I think they nest in each other quite well if you, if you if we do it skillfully, right? This is this is this is the teaching of spirituality. It's. We are incarnate, and but we do have the ability to hook up our consciousness to a spiritual element. Now, bringing those two elements into balance is the human's job, at least the spiritual job that we have to achieve. And I think Mr. Hall kind of embodied that beautifully. Uh, there was always a spiritual element, always um, a higher ideal, the more ethereal aspects. But we are incarnate, and we have to learn to get along here. That's I, think one the of the thing, I think one of the things that he taught um, that you mentioned in the book, too, is... You know, he, he tried to give it the light touch, right? It's serious, but there's also a buoyancy to it. Um, you know, you said he had books of uh, jokes and stories next to his bedside table and, and liked to tell a good joke or whatever. And I think there's yeah. a healthy aspect of the spiritual path, right? To to not take ourselves quite so seriously, right? Because uh, some spiritual people get, you know, so, so deep and, and, and stuff that, uh, you know, it, you, you think you lighten up a little bit, you know, it's, it doesn't it does happen to well, be that serious. I, if this is supposed to be so good for you, if this spiritual path you're on is, is a great spiritual path, then why are you miserable? Yeah, and why right. do you bring, every, bring down the room? It's, it's, it's like the, it doesn't seem to me that that's the correct way. This is my interpretation. It doesn't seem yeah. like that that's correct. Yes. You should be more buoyant, um, have a better ability to to roll with punches and and to deal with things in a, a, a much more effective way. Um, well, and you had to do that because the the end of the book is kind of bittersweet, right? Because mm-hmm. there were a number of changes there at the end with uh, people who had influence over um, Dr. Hall and and perhaps he was getting a little senile. I've read stories about that. Um, 
you know, he's easy, easily influenced by people. And, and you talk about, uh, you know, Daniel Fritz, I think it was, who, who sort of, um, some people say, you know, maybe uh, used and abused him for uh, financially or whatnot. And and, he, and you even mentioned, you know, was, was there some, um, you know, the criminal activity at the end there, um, though the autopsy said no, right, as I, as I remember reading, but um, it, it certainly wasn't a, a, a happy ending, if you like. Well, I think that the terrible lesson about what happened to Mr. Hall at the end was more senior abuse. This right. situation with Fritz was a manipulative man who came in and did the classic moves that, that abusive people do. He separated Mr. Hall from just about everybody. I guess he couldn't get him, get him away from Marie, but he was doing the best he could. It's funny that Mr. Hall died the one time that Marie wasn't around. Um, this, it kind of goes beyond suspicion when you read it as it occurred, and again, I think it's it's more a, a lesson about senior abuse and right. manipulative people who are shady, to say the least. Um, we saw this happen with Stan Lee, one of the most famous people you could imagine, and yet here's one person who ends up being the sole caretaker of somebody who was very famous and suddenly they die, and uh, this sole tech caretaker is now the sole heir to the whole fortune. Mm. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, after all the friends and all the people around them, uh, that, it don't, <laughs> don't read, don't read right. Right. I, I always recall uh, Jesus' um, statement to, to Peter, you know, he says to Peter, you know, watch out after yourself because there'll come a time when uh, forces that will wrap around uh, a belt around you and drag you places you, you don't want to go. And and mm -hmm. I think that's, that was so apropos, you know, we're, when, we're, when we're younger and, and we have our wherewithal and, and, and mental acuity or whatever, um, you know, we're fine, but there's, there comes a time when you know, we can unfortunately make bad decisions. We see it, you know, in, in older people who, who are ripped off, you know, by, um, you know, entities that want this, please support this charity. And they send all their money to these places or televangelists or whatever. So, you know, I oh. think we think, well, that'll never happen to me. But, you know, I've seen people deteriorate to this degree. Yes, it does. You know, even though you think you, you're still in control. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one, I think. Yeah, it's, it's taking advantage of the vulnerability of people. Yes. Um, you see that with psychics all the time. That's why they, they have a bad reputation because um, a lot of these people that call themselves psychics are nothing more than hustlers. Yeah, unfortunately, it's true. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing you have to be aware of. Um, now... One would say it's it's good to have a safety net for um, seniors because they are so vulnerable. 
but it is is also the classic um the predators are out there there are predators out there that's why you teach your children that when they're very young there are there are boogeymen and there are monsters out there be aware of them be aware of your own circumstances um it's important to teach those things and to try and stay aware maybe try and before one becomes that vulnerable to put safety nets in place right and this yeah, is good. this is also awareness of just the human experience and right being aware of what the human experience is um being aware of what your own situation so self awareness is still even when self awareness starts to diminish is a skill that would be very beneficial to to teach people. Yes, I think these are important points and um, well taken. And 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 thanks for you know bringing that out today because I think that's uh, something that's that impacts most of us actually. One thing mm-hmm. you mentioned in in one of your chapters that you know when you left uh, the halls and and um, did never saw them again. Uh, there's a chapter, Don't Look Back, you know, based on uh, the Orpheus and the Eurydice myth, you know, where, um, you know, he gives, he gets the gift to bring his love up from the underworld, but on one condition, don't look back. And of course, he, he forgets that, you know, because he's concerned for her and wants to make sure she's following. She, and she does turn back and then she's taken down into the underworld. He, he's lost her. It's a very moving story, but and a, a wonderful metaphor f- for living, right? You, uh, you can't look back, right? You 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 can't live in nostalgia. You can't live in regret. You learn from what happened, and you and you move on. And and this is crucially important, I think. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's uh, again part of the human experience. And you did that, right? You went on and you founded your your band, uh, Lucid Nation, and did all the other things that you did, um, and, and followed your inner guidance, uh, you know, as what was the highest and best. Yeah, it's it's live your life. Don't regret your past. Another great piece of wisdom, folks. I think because uh, uh, we do have a tendency to look back sometimes and uh, wish we'd done it and a there's, different way. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. That that again is is you know self analysis, evaluation yes. of progress. Um, I could have done better. Wished I had, but it is what it is, and accepting right. that. But now, as I move forward, I'm going to use that lesson to keep moving forward because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to progress. Um, like I said, even in our, even if there is diminishment in the aging process, that doesn't mean you have to um, become so vulnerable to predatory behavior. Use your use the example of what other people have done successfully. Um, Don't, in other words, if you were to wallow in the fear of what happened to Mr. Hall, oh my goodness, there's this predator and he took took over, etc. Adjust your way of living 
So that that doesn't happen, use that experience to not dwell on the negativity, but to use it, the wisdom that came out of that, the awareness that came out of that, to not let that happen to yourself. So what's your motivation for writing this book? What do you hope it's going to achieve for, for, for readers? Mostly I wanted people to be introduced to Mr. Hall and what a lovely man he was, uh-huh. what great wisdom he taught, a funny, gentle, lovable person, and inspiring, too. The death something on, the life and the work, he brought so much great wisdom to bear for anyone to hear now on YouTube. You can just listen to Mr. Hall give his lectures. There's a lot of lectures to listen to. And just for people to experience him, um, the wonderful way that both Ronnie and I experienced him, which was this is a marvelous human being with so much beautiful information. And he, just the generosity of, of sharing all that wisdom was what a blessing and i just think he's he's i still think he's he's wonderful i still think that so many of the things that he wrote and spoke about are still absolutely as important today as they were when he gave those lectures and i just love other people to meet him and enjoy his company yeah, and I think you, you succeed in that. You know, you give a, a very real and um, uh, down-to-earth, you know, portrayal of, of him and, and of your experience, you know, and all the people and the many people, right? Because there were many people around him, um, both, both in his close circle and, and all the other people that came every Sunday in, in, in the week. And, and his legacy, you know, of, of um, all these 150 books and especially the... The great, the great one, you know, the big book, and um, so his his legacy continues, right? Yes. So I'm going to tell people about next week, um, and then I'd like to ask you, Tamara, to just tell our listeners something that you think would be helpful for them, uh, for us, for all of us, for going through the the next week um in, in in our life what what comes to the top of your head around that so let me tell people a little bit about next week next week i i talk with awakened spiritual teacher modern mystic founder of the conscious living foundation um his name and he's also an author by the way his name is leonard J- jacobson originally from australia now now lives in the us um we'll look at his latest uh book uh, which is based around his, his play that he wrote called Liberating Jesus. What would Jesus say if he returned today? And that's an interesting question, isn't it? So uh, join me for that next week. Also get a copy of my book. It's newly released. It's called Unity in World Religions. It's uh, it, it unfortunately ran out uh, of stock in on Amazon, but it's available from unity.org. You can get it there. And if you go to Amazon, you can get it on um Kindle version. I'm hoping it's going to be back up on Amazon soon, but I guess it's a good problem to have that it's sold out there, but it certainly <laughs> hasn't sold out at unity.org, so you can get a copy. 
it's uh, it's receiving good reviews. So um, if you're interested, get a copy of that Unity and World Religions. So now let's get back to Tamara uh, for uh, wisdom and advice for the coming week. I would say that um, I like one of his sayings, relax away from the situation if you want to get your perspective. And also, remember the world is your teacher. The life around you is your teacher. Calm down enough to see where the teachings are leading you. I'd say that, definitely. Well, those are huge pieces of advice. I think they're wonderful, absolutely, because, you know, just taking on board one or two of those ideas, you know, um, will give us uh, an, enough food for investigation, right? Um, <laughs> that, that sometimes we resist so much that we, we can't see the world as our teacher, um, or, or we're so fra uh, fra uh, you know, frazzled that we can't relax uh, away from the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think when we can, we, we get a spaciousness that, that comes to us, yeah. So th those yeah. are wonderful uh, pieces of advice. Uh, so you're an optimist, are you? Yes, <laughs> I think I am. Sort of. <laughs> I, I always loved Benjamin Franklin because he said, I, I'm a pessimist that way. I can only be delightfully surprised. <laughs> yeah. But I think deep down I am an optimist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I think most people in Unity too would say we're optimists, but we're, we're realistic optimists. You know, we're not, don't right. have a head in the clouds, but uh, yeah. 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 Well, thank you so so much for being on today's show, Tamara. It was a, it was a pleasure to to talk with you. Well, thank you, Paul. All right, and thanks for listening, folks. Have a good week. Take care now. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA Unity ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 